Hello and welcome to the Fencing Podcast. I'm Gavin. And I'm Sean. And uh, so welcome back to another absolutely massive, gigantic discussion point about fencing. Yeah, because I mean, that's, that's what we talk about here, isn't yeah. it? I nearly said Formula One. Uh, <laughs> I'll get my coat. Yeah, yeah, busy times. Busy times, yeah. And we, we are now starting the, the run up to Tokyo. Coffee yes, it's, it's the road to Tokyo officially, I think, is the, the title for once uh, yep. Olympic qualification mm-hmm. kicks off, which it now has for all the weapons. Yep. And uh, once again, we have a, a ton of stuff to recover, yep. uh, to cover. Yeah, what am I trying to say? Yeah. A ton of stuff to cover. Cover, yeah. And um, I'm going to face up. I've been really busy, mm-hmm. so I've not watched nearly as much as I, I'd hoped to. Mm-hmm. So coverage is going to be light for some of the stuff. On I the th- other hand, although it's been really fascinating. Yes, yes. I'm going to say some surprising things about Uman's Epi later on. I'm intrigued. Yes, indeed. Everybody should be intrigued. Surprising and complimentary or just surprising? Surprising and complimentary. Excellent. I'm, I'm a new man. Of course you are. Yep. So will we um, do some very light coverage of the Sabre Grand Prix from Seoul? I didn't watch a whole load of this, but I did watch the finals, and they were absolutely immense. Really? Yep. They Tell really were. Well, first first point of note for the men's one was returning local hero Kim Jong-un, reigning world champion, mm-hmm. uh, retired almost immediately afterwards, but uh, persuaded to to have a run out at his home Grand Prix, uh, which went which went pretty well for him, really, finishing third. So maybe maybe the easy life is is suiting yeah. him quite. Quite well. I mean, is it fair to say there's life in the old dog yet? Well, he has. He has said this is a one-off. You know, he'll turn out at his mm-hmm. home Grand Prix because yeah. he's because he's allowed to, and it's a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. But he did beat world number one Neil Dershowitz in the last eight. <laughs> God. <laughs> and all right, it's only what eight months or so since eight or nine months since since he retired. Yeah. So he'll not have entirely lost mm-hmm. all the all the years of dedicated brutal training in the. In yeah. sort of Korean saber, uh, and he still still looked thoroughly impressive. Um, but it does make me wonder if perhaps the the Koreans are thinking, well, we kind of miss Kim. It would be nice to have him in our team. Maybe we can reach some compromise where he doesn't have to knock his pan in forty hours a week, mm-hmm. uh, and per- can ha- perhaps find a way to maybe only do four or five hours training every day and have him in for our team for for Tokyo. So you see, like the secret weapon, you deploy him. Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the team would presumably qualify. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it's your national federation that gets picked. You don't have to go off the world rankings. How would you feel, though, if you were on the team, you've qualified in the team, and all this and say, thanks, lads, but we've got this other big, massive unit just sitting on the bench. We'll just bring him in instead. How would you feel about that? Uh, well, I'd be pretty disgruntled. Mm-hmm. But I would probably just about, I would just about understand it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's world champion. He's been in the top handful of Sabrars for best part of a decade. Mm-hmm. Would you really be able to say with your honest hat on, no, no, I'm a much better bet than him? Yeah, I, I might be. I might say I'm, I'm, I'm not as good a bet as him. Oh, sorry, I'm not better than him. But I would say I have not a pan in and qualified as part of his team. Damn, damn, bloody well let me go and have my shot. That'd be, that'd be my opinion. To which your Korean selectors go, Exactly. We don't care. Exactly. We've, yeah, got, another, go we've got another 50 of those. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you could do. You could do. I mean, it's it's an interesting one. Mm. Um, certainly, as I say, it seems to be a, a one-off. I mean, this, this Tokyo Kettle is almost local, like an old local Olympic Games. I mean, that's mm, about... No, I don't think so. Not, not quite. It's not quite that kind of close enough for that. No. Nah. Yeah. Maybe he's just going to stick to the barbecue then. Maybe so. 
Mm. And a fine decision that would be too. Indeed. Um, so anyway, the, the final of the men's was between the, the latest Korean superstar, Usan Guk, uh-huh. against the reigning double Olympic champion, mm-hmm. Aaron Salaji. And it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, the contrast of the power and speed and physicality mm-hmm. of O against the glorious technique and timing of Salaji is just mm-hmm. absolutely immense. Everything that you want to see from modern saber. Yeah, was was there a lot of uh, weeping in the at the beauty of it all? Uh, I was pretty close to tears, Gav. Yeah. I must admit. Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm not going to go through a full a full run through because I didn't take notes at the time. Yeah. Mainly because I was sitting with my uh, with my jaw on the floor, going, "Oh, it's incredible!" But oh, one fifteen fourteen, and yeah, beautiful saber. Oh, I might have to go watch that then. I would. I would highly recommend it mm-hmm. if you want. Uh, uh, a classic of modern saber. This yeah. is uh, this is a perfect example. Yeah, because all I've seen is the there was a greatest hits video. So that's all I've seen of it. And there's some, I was like, oh wow, look at that kind of stuff, you know. Oh. Although there was nothing t- truly spectacular, but it was just incredibly well executed. Was yeah, the thing that got me. Yeah. Oh, there's a, oh yeah, Max Hartung also uh, finished on the podium. Right. He did get a bit of a, a pacing off O in the semi final, fifteen two. Oh, it's kind of smart. Yeah, it's going to be. But yeah. once, you, once you get over that, you go, well, start of Olympic qualifying and I'm on the podium. Yeah. That's quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Still a decent weekend's worth. Mm-hmm. The, the women's side, a few interesting early-ish departures. Uh, Cecilia Berda going out in 32, Posnikova and Igorian out in 16. Igorian, uh, this was only her second competition of the season. She finished third at St. Nicholas right. um, just a, what, a month or so ago. And I was 16 here, so um, getting back into the swing of things. Uh, but like, not quite able to, to follow up her, her impressive return. With, yeah. uh, by at 16 at this stage, probably the most interesting of the the semi, uh, the quarterfinals was uh, uh, Manon Bruni beating uh, Sofia Velikaya 15-12. All right, okay, a, cool. Yeah. Getting another, another high-quality fight and worth, mm-hmm. uh, if you want to look for one outside the sort of final stages, that's, mm-hmm. that's probably one to, to recommend. Semi-finals. Uh, two Koreans, Kim Jeon, okay, uh, against Seo Jeon, okay, uh, with Kim, the 2012 Olympic champion, mm-hmm. winning 15-10 against her compatriot. Uh, the other semi-final, all Carlan against uh, Manon Bruni, with Carlan winning 15-12. Okay, and the final, another glorious one. Again, if you want to see the some of the very best of what women's saber looks like at the moment, Carlan just edging out, right? Uh, Kim 15-14 in the final, and again another one that could have gone. Either way, and showing you some beautiful fencing. More, more weeping. I probably wasn't quite as close to tears with this one okay. as I was with the men's, but it was still good stuff. Still rather glorious. Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend it. Other thing to note there is our one of our regular features is uh, a regal watch. All right, how's she getting on? She wasn't in Seoul oh. because she's having a bit of a spat with the Italian Federation. Mm-hmm. Threatened to take the Italian Federation to court because they said, we want you to choose either foil or sabre. <laughs> now, having previously selected her for both, mm-hmm. they've seemed to have kind of changed their mind and said, no, enough of that. You've got to, you've got to pick one. He said, well, I don't want to. I want to do both. Right. So he said, well, we're not going to send you to Seoul. And she apparently has gone, well, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take you to court if you don't pick me for the next one. Okay. So apparently she, well, she is in action, well, this weekend as we're recording mm-hmm. um, in Tunis, um, but having to pay her own way. Okay. So that's that the seems compromise. like a fair compromise. Well, semi-fair. I don't know, because 
I mean, I can kind of see where the, the Federation might be going with this. Like, they've got a Rigo who's this kind of extreme talented foilist. They would probably be expecting her to be working towards a, a, a podium in foil, and they might be getting the feeling that she's a bit too distracted with Sabre. Possibly. I mean, we will talk about her again later on when yeah. we talk about... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> when we talk about um, the Women's Foil World Cup in, in Terrebisha's time. Mm-hmm. But it's... Yeah, I'm, I'm unsure about this one. Um, I admire the ambition of, of looking to, to fence the Olympics two weapons. It's a, a serious challenge, and she's got herself into a position where that looks perfectly viable. On the other hand, her form in foil, since she started doing both weapons... Well, it's nothing like what it was in the run-up to, to Rio when she mm. was the dominant women's foilist. Yeah. Um, I think in that, that season, she won five out of the eight World Cups and Grand Prix. I actually can't remember the last time she won a World Cup or Grand Prix at foil. Mm-hmm. Regularly close. Uh, I think she's currently ranked third in the world at foil, mm-hmm. but not winning. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I mean, see, I've noticed this too, which is kind of what I was hinting at. When I said that, this is kind of the way that the Federation will be looking at it, probably like, this is, it would be lovely, but it's not going to happen, so don't do it, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they've come in as the voice of reason, sort yeah. of destroying a romantic dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, although, but at the same time, I, I still want it because it would be the first time in, in the modern era someone's done this. Yeah, yeah, it would be an incredible achievement, especially yeah. in a team as strong uh, as Italy. You know, yeah. you could perhaps understand it if you're in some relatively Mickey Mouse nation um, and when Olympic qualification was much more, uh, much easier for, for smaller nations to get fencers into. Yeah. Now it's it's pretty ruthless and probably increasingly so now that there are team events mm-hmm. for all the weapons. Qualifying for, for two weapons is, you know, would be a ph- phenomenal achievement. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was so... Um, as I say, a kind of highlights package, but uh, if you want to see Modern Sabre at its very best, go watch those two finals. Oh, excellent. I mean, in my case, I literally have only watched the highlights. Um, right, so I'm going to put you back on again, Sean, uh, as our foil expert. And we're going to move straight to Germany for a bit of uh, Tower Bischoff sign. Yeah, well, I was kind of distracted again. This is going to be a, a, a lightweight <laughs> effort. I did say I've been kind of busy with other stuff. Yeah. I mean, that kind of is the disappointing truth when there's so much going on. We both have full-time jobs. We both do quite a bit of coaching. We both have families, offspring. Yeah. Real life, it just gets right in the way of watching yeah. fencing, doesn't it? It's terrible. It does. <laughs> if only there was a way to just beam it all into your head and get it all done. Right? Yeah, I could just download it straight into my brain. That would uh, that would make yeah. things a lot, a lot, lot easier. Yeah. I'm sure it's not far away but not not quite there yeah. yet yeah because yeah, uh, at the same time that the Tebrabishersheim Women's Foil World Cup was going on St Petersburg Men's Foil was happening at the same time uh-huh. and that was the one that I chose to watch so yeah. I, I caught little bits and pieces of, of Tauber during the day mm-hmm. but I wasn't watching it relentlessly sure. and even to show what a domestic uh, goddess I am I spent most of the time when I was watching St Petersburg doing the ironing <laughs> <laughs> that's how well trained I am yeah uh, uh, so interesting bits from from Tauber, Volpe and Kiefer uh, mm-hmm. both out in the sixty four. So not a great start to Olympic qualifying for for those two. Um, I've got my sad face on. Yeah, let's describe that as his radio after all. Sad face. <laughs> yes, but it needs to be a little more descriptive than that. You can go, yep. oh boo. Yeah. The returning Mamatletas, Di Francesca and Bettini both out in the last sixteen. Mm-hmm. Interesting quarterfinal, which I think harks back to what we were talking about with uh, Irigo's Struggled to balance Sabre and, uh, Sabre and Foil. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was beaten by Erika Cipressa in the last eight, fairly comfortably, 15-10. Uh, and the other point of note was two Chinese fencers in the top eight, hmm, which we've not seen for a while. Yeah, um, neither of them particularly familiar names to me. Uh, she, Yu, and Chen 
Quingrang, I think is the best pronunciation that I can come up with. Almost certainly inaccurate. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I think Jingwan is a Q, not a, a high Jing. So anyway, pass. I'm, I'm guessing at that one. But yeah. Who's a coach? I'm going to ask that question, China. Do we know off the top of our head? No, I don't. Okay. Oh, actually, oh, no, I'm not absolutely sure about this. I know that Sheng Li, who was Olympic champion in 2012, mm-hmm. is certainly looking after the men's, but he might well be working with the women's team as well. I'm not absolutely mm-hmm. sure about that. And that's quite a recent appointment. I think it was only about a year ago. Right, okay. I've just got this dim memory of, of there being Italians involved, but I just I don't know if that's no, true. No, I don't think so. Oh, who am I thinking of then? I have no idea. Maybe Hong Kong then. We'll come back to that. <laughs> come back to that. Somebody better informed hopefully will, will tell yeah. us. You know who you are. Get in touch. Yeah. Uh, so the two bronze medalists here is Artibus and the aforementioned uh, Chipresa, mm-hmm. uh, but an all-Russian final with Ina Deroglasova beating teammate Anastasia Ivanova with a, a less than thrilling th- sounding 13-7. I must admit, I had other things to do. Um, I saw that it was an all-Russian final. I've said it before, Deroglasova's an immensely admirable fencer. Mm-hmm. She's been... Totally dominant in the season. She's won five out of the seven senior events okay. held so far. So she's leader of the pack by some without, margin, without any doubt. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you what, if she wins in Shanghai, mm-hmm. which is the one remaining senior event, uh, still to go for a foil before mm-hmm. we get to the zonal championships and the world championships, um, I will come up with a full analysis of why Derek Lozova is so successful to make up for my... Um, <laughs> lack of interest. Previous, <laughs> previous, but not lack of interest. Disregard, sort of persistent right. disregard for um, what an incredible fencer she is. Mm-hmm. I've said before that I lost quite a lot of interest in women's foil in the bit Sally period because it was just incredibly dull watching her win everything every week. <laughs> and not only that, but it, it, you know, I think women's foil went through a bit of a massive dip then as well. But I think it was the, the depression caused by someone being so de- so dominant, and nobody finding a solution to it. A combination of uh, Vitsali dominating. Um, and the, well, let's see, the new timings, not new timings, <laughs> like 2005, the but the timing change in 2005 had a properly negative effect on women's mm-hmm. foil for a while and made it far less exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what, I'm, what I'm seeing here is I think there might be an issue with if someone becomes that dominant again, I think we'll see another, it might become a bit depressing. I mean, I get excited when I see someone like Lee Kiefer on who just mm-hmm. gets in, gets stuck in, gets in about the people, but we're not seeing her sort of producing the results at the moment. Yeah, she, the sort of form that she showed uh, immediately after Rio mm-hmm. for the first kind of season and a half. Yeah. I thought this could be a an exciting, not entirely new name, but somebody, you know, really stepping up yeah. to, to dominate, particularly a, a women's forest from, from USA. That's a really exciting prospect, and it's mm-hmm. not quite not quite turned out that way. Yeah. I mean, we've still got, I mean, obviously, outside of her, there's Nicole Ross, and there's other fences that I really admire at the moment, like uh, Sarah Zuma and people like that, but... I'm going to get. I'm going to find start finding it boring. If all I'm going to see is congratulations, Derek Lozova wins again. Yeah, hey. exactly. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, credit to her. It's uh, it's, it's not her. It's not her fault that she's so much better. Well, it's, well, her, no, it's not. Her it fault. is her fault, but it's it's not her fault that nobody's consistently stepping yeah. up to yeah. uh, to challenge. Exactly. Exactly right. So you get a turn now. Okay. Using your your now frequently used uh, Twitter hashtag. Epi is best. best. <laughs> I see that. I see this uh, whenever I can now. Yeah, it's it's easy to spot which of our uh, which of our tweets come from Gav because yeah. they have the hashtag Epi is yeah. best, even if it's super foil. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah, just so, use, just use it everywhere. Just use it everywhere. It works. You know, you're making the tea. Epi is best. It just works. Mm. Oh, actually, sorry. Before we move on, mm-hmm. uh, teams. It's becoming a sort of 
almost entirely predictable top four. Uh, and it's really just how you shuffle them. Uh, okay. Russia winning this time, France in second, Italy third, and uh, USA in fourth place. Current rankings uh, for the teams are France one, Italy two, USA three, and Russia in four. Mm-hmm. They're, they're interchangeable, but it's pretty much almost always those four teams. Mm-hmm. And it's just who's, who's having the best day. Yeah. Uh, France probably been just about mo- the most consistent uh, during the course of the season and as a result you know they're top of the rankings but right. uh, take your pick mm-hmm. on which one of those, those four teams could win on any given day which one do you want to win hmm. go with your gut don't go with your head Again, I can't actually decide oh. I've, I've had a proper think there that was that sort of ticking sound and if you could smell burning <laughs> that was me trying to work out uh, my emotional response to who do you want to win at women's foil teams? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's things to like about almost all of the teams apart from Russia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sean. Did I say that out loud? You did say it out loud. Oh, God. I may have to edit that one out. Um, I mean, because France are a, a really exciting team. They've got a tremendous team spirit, like the French generally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Italy now have the, as I mentioned, the returning Mamatletas, yep. which on paper should make them a a stronger team, but it's not entirely worked for them just yet. But my sort of long-term feeling is that by the time time we get round to the Olympics, I think they're the team most likely to get it together. Yeah, they're going to they're going to sort it out. And it's some of those some of the Mamalets have been around for a while and they've been on teams before, so it's yeah. going to start working soon. Yeah, and the US team's immensely immensely likable as well. And yeah. I, I like seeing. I mean, USA are not a not a new force in women's foil, but no. for them to consistently to be up there and you know, the reigning world champions. Mm-hmm. They've they've been number one in the rankings, and again, they've got they've got offences that we like Nicole Ross, Lee Kiefer, mm-hmm. and um, they've had a variety of people in. You know, okay. completing the team as well. So there's a, a lot to like in that as well. I, I mean, I think f- the French or the Americans are would be my choice as well. Okay, I mean, obviously, I've, I've, I've become I'm a total fanboy for the the Ross and Kiefer show, but yeah. I mean, I do like the French uh, fences as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, shall we move on to uh, Epi's Best? Ugh, trying to put it off. Yeah, okay then, go, All right, okay, go for it. Enough <laughs> chat about um, the training weapon. On to the big boys. <laughs> right, so so we're talking about Cali Epi. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's Cali in Colombia. Big event, obviously, Grand Prix. Uh, I think the most notable thing, first of all, is where were the Russians? Um, at home with their feet up. Exactly. You know, a glass of, uh, a glass of uh, vodka or maybe a cup of tea, biscuit, watching it from uh, back wherever it is that they train. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were no Russians. We're not going to mention them. Yeah. Oh, actually, so there was one. Oh, there was one. One, 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 one Russian women's EPS who was yeah. ranked two hundred and something. Yeah, I, I, not I, quite I, sure. They're on holiday or something. Yeah, she did, she didn't make it into the latter stages, and I haven't noted anything down yeah. about her. Um, but she was willing to pay, so good enough. It's probably a nice day out for her. Mm. Right, a short day out. A short, a short day. Out. <laughs> uh, so we'll just start with our uh, early leavers again. Uh, so uh, out in the thirty-two. Sorry, we'll start with one out in the in the thir- in the sixty four. That was uh, Young Korea. Uh, then out in the thirty two, we've got Lee, uh, Zhu, Belyayeva, Vitalis, Choi, Kravitska, and two Hurleys. Oh, and Kang as well. Okay, so that's out two graveyard of the top seeds. <laughs> exactly. There's virtually nobody. Made. If you made it, if you if you made it into the sixteen, you were probably going to make it through into the into the last eight, unless right. you were Orian Malo, which you, <laughs> you went out. <laughs> in the last 16. Yeah, having survived the carnage. Oh, I'm safe or no? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's enough. So our last eight matchups, I'm just going to go straight through the scores because mm. there's so much to get through. Uh, first ma- uh, matchup is the current junior world champion, Azola. Uh, she went up against uh, Lehis of Estonia and was defeated 15 8. 
Our second one is Mara Navaria up against uh, Sarah Bezbez. Mm-hmm. So Sarah's not really sort of challenging into the 16th at the moment, but uh, good showing her getting the last eight. It was a uh, fifteen thirteen for uh, for Mara in this one. Okay, I'm a, I, I like Mara, so it's a good yeah yeah good we're, result. We're fans, but again, uh, nice to see base base back in the earlier stages of things. Yep, indeed. Uh, the next one was uh, Papescu up against uh, Julia Ritzi. Papescu just basically uh, demolished Ritzi. It was fifteen six. Mm, yeah, it's comfy. Yeah, a bit of a walkover. And our final matchup is uh, Sun Yuen of China up against Kong of Korea mm. uh, and she won that one no no Kong of Hong Kong oh sorry Kong of Hong Kong I mean that joke every every time apart yep. from this time oh you missed it yeah exactly I must have I must have had too many biscuits today anyway so uh, Sun this time uh, kind of walked over this one as well it was 15-8 uh, to her alright yeah so that that, that gives uh, some interesting semi-final actions and I, I did spend quite a lot of time analysing because that's what we do in EP uh, <laughs> So our first one... Spread, our, your spreadsheet says? My spreadsheet says that the first matchup was uh, Lehis versus Navaria. These are both really good fencers. I'm a big fan of Navaria because she's awesome, essentially. Um, she's so awesome, people have done videos about how awesome she is. <laughs> if you look around us, there are actually videos that okay, say how so, awesome so go, in, go into YouTube, type in Mara Navaria, awesome. Yeah. Loads, of, mm-hmm. loads of results. And it was a kind of sort of uh, first time I was kind of what you want from Epi. No hanging about, in other words. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically go at it sort of uh, hammer tongs in the, fir- in the first sort of period there's a weird yellow card after the first hit no idea why it's one all they, they come together they hit, hit off each other they sort of bounce off each other right didn't look like there was any, any malice or intent it was just an accident sort of thing you just go halt get back on guard again yeah but uh, Mara got a yellow card for that one so I guess the referee just blamed her right um, the interesting thing that to note here is that it's, this is all wireless epi mm. right and there was clearly some issues I thought at that point as well. Afterwards, I was looking at the score, looking at this going, oh, I don't think this is working correctly. But they stuck with it throughout the... Yeah, I mean, the FIE have committed to, to going wireless mm-hmm. at all the Grand Prix and the World Championships. Yeah. And generally speaking, uh, fences don't trust it, I think it's fair to say, mm-hmm. uh, because it doesn't work as well as it should. No, and that's because of the, our, our scoring systems are based on, you know, mid-20th century technology and we're mm-hmm. trying to make it 21st century you kind of need to rework it but that's a big job if we've got bit, basically you're locked into whatever you anyway I'm getting a bit <laughs> nerdy about that um, so let's just move on so the wireless we're using wireless throughout and it was obvious that the fencers not so much in the women's epi actually but more in the men's don't trust it mm-hmm. there's a lot of testing going on at the moment if the hit, if you hit, if you think you should have hit and it doesn't come up, you yeah. immediately get the referee to test it, and that isn't great to watch if I'm honest. But anyway, I'll just uh, it's just me something that I've noted while I was watching this. Yeah. Uh, so I think they need to sort of maybe sh- fix the presentation of that side of things a little bit. Uh, round two, just more of the same. Neither of them sort of sort of hanging around. Marriage is going for her usual kind of. I'm going for your toe. No, I'm not. I'm going for your toe. Well, actually, I'm going for your toe. That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> Or, or or other one, which is, uh, I'm actually not going to bother doing either of this clever stuff. I'm just going to hit you. <laughs> so it's actually really good. They both go at it. There's lots and lots of hits. Nice nice little feints and flashes. That, he finishes 9-12. There's a sort of change in the sort of tempo in the, in, the last, in the last round where Lay starts to push a bit more actively. I'm not sure I would have made this choice if I was going up against someone like Mara Navaria mm-hmm. because she stops scoring hits, essentially. She gets a couple of nice uh, stop hits to rest, but it just sort of finishes off 15-10. Uh, to Mara. It was a comprehensive hit, but she Mara looked the business in that one. Semi-final two. Now, this is where I'm going to say the first of my many interesting things. Uh, <laughs> this is the probably, 
of the four semi-finals, the second best one. Right. And this is a semi-final involving... Uh, Sun and uh, uh, Popescu. Okay. Right. Popescu, I can perhaps see. Mm-hmm. We have... Well, certainly you have. Mm-hmm. And I've joined in to some degree in saying that Sun Yuen is quite a boring fencer. Yeah, so she she's one of the of the sort of the Shinna Lam style. Uh, tall, long arm, uses a French grip, stands around a lot, not much happening. You twitch, she sticks her arm out, and if she gets the hit, it's it's gonna be a long arm slow for everybody in that room. <laughs> okay. So so uh, so so let's just cut to the chase here and say that they've hired Hugh Aubrey and I think he's fixing them. Excellent. He's setting about this, I think. That's, that's the general... O- Obri fixes Epi. Obri fixes Epi. That's the headline. So anyway, it starts off the first piece. Because there's quite a lot of this, I'm going to go into a bit more detail here. So Popescu sets the distance in this one. And what she's doing, she's playing a really interesting game where she's just out of reach. And what she's obviously trying to do is just get sent to buy because she's looking for that poke, mm-hmm. I think. That's yeah, what yeah. she's basically draw, trying draw to do. Draw that counter-attack. Yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing is it works and Sun fleshes. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. you... Don't see that often. Yeah, you don't see that often. I don't think I've ever seen Sunflesh. Uh, it's possible that she hasn't. I've just never seen it. I, I think I have seen it, but only when it's, you know, it's a sort of sign of desperation when she's down towards the end of a fight. Yeah. And time's running out. Yeah, but not at the start, right at the start. Unfortunately, she didn't score on this one, but I was I was too busy blinking going, oh, what happened there? Um, so the first period, that's the most noble thing, but... Uh, the, the period finishes 4-2, which sounds boring, but actually it wasn't. It was quite good. There was quite a lot of movement and people were trying to do it. Um, it cut For some reason, the camera in the break cut straight to the Chinese side. We didn't see anything that was happening on the other side. Okay. Straight to the Chinese one, where you got Hugh Aubrey and a man in a really large flat cap uh, <laughs> chatting to, to Sun. Uh, obviously, the, the translator's there because learning Chinese is a big ask for anybody. Yeah. But it was a bit clear that Son was looking, having to listen, watch Hyobri basically wagging his finger in her face, uh-huh. and then having to look at the translator to find out exactly what she was being told. So it was quite good. Uh, but Hyobri, a bit animated, and I actually wrote in here as I was like, I actually, I wrote in here, I'm wondering how the translator is managing this, because it was pretty, pretty animated. So Pepeska keeps the score ticking over, and it goes up to 7 4. She, she's continued this sort of keeping inside Sun's distance and trying to force the error. She's mm-hmm. constantly trying to do it. But Sun's movements are way smoother than I've seen them before. She's really, she looks much closer to what you'd expect an actual French fencer to, to move like. Right. So you can, I think this is the sort of the finessing that, that, that Hugh's bringing into the game. And it looks like uh, Pepe is just going to edge it out. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sun starts to bring it back. And she gets a handle on what exactly the distance is like and starts to vary what she's doing. It's not just sticking her arm out. She steps in occasionally, goes for an attack. Popescu starts to look a little bit less confident about uh, trying to draw a mistake. And at one point, Popescu steps into that distance and can't really describe his hit, basically. But Sun takes the takes the, the initiative. So as Popescu steps in, something that I wasn't, that I wasn't prepared to see happens. Sun takes initiative and goes for the attack, goes for a lunge straight to the body. But uh, Popescu obviously thinks, oh my God, I need to do something about this. And does an awesome priest affair in the middle of it all and, if the, and it's, it was it was a great hit and then there was an immediate response from Sun and that period finishes 8-9 so the, in the first period referee goes set goal and what happens Sun steps straight off the mark and lunges straight into uh, into Popescu we are talking about the same fencer aren't yeah, we it was great yeah you should this is, this is absolutely great but there's a there's a sort of a panicked arm sticking out so Popescu looks more like Sun used to at the moment flat right, footed okay. sticks her hand out just manages to get a double out of it so it goes 8-10, Popescu just scores a hit again. 
Again, Pesky sets forward as an attack into prep from Sun, straight to leg. But this one's a cla- an absolute cracker, mostly because Pesky hits the deck and everyone in the audience just goes, Ooh. Solid mid thigh one, which is. No, no, not the thigh, onto the shin. Oh. Right in the middle of the shin. <laughs> oh. Yeah, those sting. Yeah, it was, uh, it was like, oh. Uh, anyway, I totally sympathised. Yeah, but Pepesky didn't look affected affected by it. She was straight up again, just going, "Oh, that's smart." That's uh, yeah, and then actually things started to get more interesting. Sun starts to work on Pepesky's blade, so she's doing pressure and ghost type stuff. And what I've actually written down here is, "Go, go, go!" This is lovely stuff. <laughs> that's my note. So at this point, it's actually Sun that starts to score the hits and drags it back up to eleven all. And Pepesky really does look like she's lost confidence. She's no longer committing in her preps. Right. And that is totally, that's it, Sun's, I think, cracks her at that point. Great hit. The next hit is, is kind of, I think, the clincher. Uh, Popescu pushes Sun right the way back to the, the, the back line. And just as she's sort of fishing to, to do something nice, uh, Sun just sticks her hand out by accident and it just clips her. And the two fences stop for a second because, you know, a light's come up mm-hmm. and it's Sun's light. And at that point, Pesca doesn't really have uh, any choice. There's only there's only like a few seconds left on the clock. Right. Oh, sorry, I should have said it. it the, the reason why the light came up to me looked like uh, Pesca actually accidentally knocked Sun's point onto her leg. Oh, that's right. a total. It was one of those moments where you just go, "Oh my god, I can't believe I did that." So there's only a couple of seconds left. Pesca just has to go for it. She goes for it. Sun just sticks her arm out. She knows how to do that. She's yep. done that to the Good best of her career. Yeah, it's, it's uh, not become a bad hit. Yes, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, just do it. You know. And basically, there's a few, just like a fraction of a second on the clock. Um, Pesky's at the time, and that's that. That's the end of it. But cracking semi-final. If you if you want to see an unexpectedly dynamic fight, uh, I, honestly, I couldn't believe what I was watching from the Sun. So yeah. I'm going to see lots of really pleasant things there. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm slightly stunned. Slightly stunned. Everybody should be slightly stunned. I think I've yeah. ever seen anything quite so positive about. It. And I really do think this is the influence of uh, of you there because in the breaks. He's animated. She's listening to the translator, but she's clearly trying to pick up what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's saying some good things. Um, I can't remember if it's this one or the final, actually. But at one point, he's actually up shouting, you know, do do it, stick to the plan, stick to the plan. And clearly, boom, whatever they've said is, is is embedded in what she needs to do. And she, she clearly has worked out something. Right. Uh, anyway, so let's move on to the final. It's uh, Sun versus Navaria. Uh, Navaria just goes for her usual stuff. Sun just keeps the distance a bit more in this one. It, we go up a little bit. Uh, Sun goes up on the first, goes up to 2 1. It's kind of interesting, kind of dynamic from Sun this time. It, it, it seems passive again, but it's not what she's doing. She's maintaining the, the distance and she's actually goading Mara. It's not this kind of defensive rubbish that we used <laughs> to see. She's actually kind of, it's sort of pinging Mara's distance to see if she can get something out of her. And it works because that period finishes 5 2 to Sun. Round 2, much more the same. Uh, Mara getting picked off every time she tries to step in or do her, her lovely foot hit. Uh, Sun goes 6-3 up. Uh, Mara starts to, starts to ratchet the pressure up a little bit and starts to change her timing slightly. She gets it, she brings it back to 7-6. And at this point, I was kind of wondering whether or not it was going to be Mara. But Sun tries for a foot, a fade to foot. And as she recovers, uh, Sun sees the hesitation and actually does an incredibly nice lunge into Mara's leg. So it's like really lovely counter-aggression. And it just basically just ticks over there. It goes like 8-6, 9-7, 10-7. At the 10-7 hit, Sun actually out Mara Navaria's out Mara's Mara, if you know what I mean? <laughs> so she does a feint of foot and finishes the chest. Uh, and, uh, and then the next is a double. At this point, Sun just reverts the type, goes passive. Yeah. And then it go, and it just finishes off with a... Well, Mara goes tries to go for a, a wrist hit. 
but the sun does a resemble. So she goes up on her tippy toes, sticks mm-hmm. her arm out, and uh, picks off picks off Mara on her wrist. And then it's just like we're getting close to the end. A thir- couple of hits come by. We're getting close to the end. There, it's uh, thirteen eleven, and Mara just pulls off an absolute cracker. Right, it's thirteen eleven. There's not much time left in the clock, and Mara just does a casual flip to arm, gets it right on the, right on the wrist, just over the guard, and it's an absolutely cracker. I thought she got it, but no, she finished on her foot. So the flip the wrist, finished the foot. And honestly, I punched the air a little bit of that. I was thinking, <laughs> so by the time you saw one of those, uh, you give it a little whoop whoop. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's a double. We're at, uh, what's that, 14 12 now. Sun manages to pile up Mara's last desperate sort of flesh and just picks her off. It's absolutely a cracking hit. And that's that. So, cracking bit of women's epi for me. Uh, quite satisfied with that. Quite a lot to say about Sun. I thought it was really top drawer from her. I mean, even a few months ago, if, if I'd said to you, you're going to watch a, a women's epi Grand Prix mm-hmm. semi-finals and finals. Sun is going to win mm-hmm. and she's going to beat Popescu and Navaria on the way there. Mm-hmm. You would go, how disappointing. Yeah. And not only that, if you'd said, not only is she going to beat both of them on the way there, but she's going to be aggressive in various points and she's mm-hmm. going to take the initiative, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> Clearly some kind of fairy tale. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just kind of... I don't. I don't know. She just looked like a different fencer to me. Yeah, and something fencer, something fencer different's going on there. And the only thing I can think of is Hughes in the mix. That's the only thing mm-hmm. I know about. If anybody knows of something different, uh, let me know. But that, that seems the most logical thing here. The other thing to note is that I noticed that again there was a lot of lefties in the latter stages. Yeah, yeah. Four, so uh, that's that's the dis- disappointing part of this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, we we are genetically superior. It's just how we are. Um, an oddity, I think, actually, is what you're <laughs> what you're meaning to say there. Yeah. So, should we just get on with the men's? Got quite a lot to get through. Yeah. Right. Let's talk first of all about uh, the early levers. Tons of them. Yeah. Absolutely tons. Okay. So, the first thing to note is that Burrell didn't make it out the sixty-four. Mm-hmm. Sad, sad face for me. Yep. Very much so. Um, so, getting that out of the way, we're just going to rattle through the rest of the early levers. Uh, so, in the, out in the the last sixty-four, we were missing uh, Lagunis for Wylan. Novozhilov, Svishkar, Hoyle, which I'm a bit disappointed about, Cano, crying now, Alexanen and Lamardo, all out in the 64. Okay, so these guys are all in the top 16 of the rankings. Yep. Uh, more than half. More yep, than half more, in the top Easily 16. more than half. Get uh, one, one fight mm-hmm. out of their, their weekend. Yep. yep, all the way to Colombia. I know, yeah. I still think that there's something wrong with Burrell. I, didn't, I haven't actually managed to check check back for that fight and see exactly what happened so I can't really see for sure it wasn't even particularly close was it I can't remember who he lost out to but it was something like 15-9 or 10. yeah something like that and it strikes me there's something not quite right yeah. I, I, don't, I can't see what it is but it's not quite right yeah I mean he only uh, he only came he's only done well this is third competition of the season following mm-hmm. wrist surgery after the world championships yeah. he came back and won in Doha I yep. think it was his first competition back mm-hmm. uh, he made last 16 in uh, what was the other one Budapest yes which is not bad but it's not what he wants yeah uh, and then I think he missed one as well because I think that's right because he wasn't that strange one. after yeah. you know after his return mm-hmm. and then a disappointing last 64 here yeah well we'll see him next uh, next week in Paris I think Right, so out in the 32, we have uh, Santarelli and Nikishin, one number two. So, into the, out the, the last couple, so there's virtually nobody left now. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who is left? Who is left? Well, out in the 16, who's left to mention? Uh, Heinzer, again, sad face. Park, double sad face. 
And I, I think that's pretty much everybody that we've we've lost. Everybody, there's still a couple left for, into the last eight. So we'll just go straight to it. Our first matchup in the last eight is uh, Chimini versus Manobi. Or as I say now, Manobi, because my phone always capitalises his name. <laughs> it is. Can't yeah. type it any other way now. It's, uh, it's decided that Manobi is capitalised. Yep, indeed. Regardless of, uh, <laughs> regardless of the conversation. Exactly. Uh, so Manobi won that one 15-13. Our second semi-final, this is the interesting one. It's Eulen uh, Pereira up against Tulin of the of the Netherlands. Tristan Tulin, yeah. Tristan Tulin. What do we know about Tristan, Sean? Uh, he's from the Netherlands. He's been around for quite a long time. Not quite a long time. He is. He's not young, but he's not old. He's twenty seven. Oh, okay, right. I take yeah. that back then. I thought he was older than that. No, he's not older than that. No, no. He's coached by his brother. I just know that because his brother was coaching him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. They look the same, so it's a bit weird when you see them. Right. Take the mask. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't looked at what they're Just names. switch, switch uh, during, the, during the break. Yeah, yeah. And Tulin doesn't really have very many kind of notable results. He got a last 16 in Buenos Aires this year and a last 16 in Budapest last year. And out of that, it's, outside of that, it's just fair to middling. You know what I mean? Okay. An international fencer, but not... Not, not an star. astonishing one. So he's, he's had a he's had a great day basically. Yeah. So excellent, good, good, good on him. In our second, uh, sorry, our third uh, last day, the matchup is uh, Fichera versus Vismara. Uh, Fichera takes this one uh, fifteen thirteen. Okay, so a welcome return to form for yeah, I think Mr. so. Fichera. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, sorry, Fichera. I'll get this one right. Yeah, I got a Italian pronunciation <laughs> right. Otherwise, we'll get a telling off again. We'll get a telling off again. <laughs> and then our last one is. Uh, uh, Wang versus Zavrotniak. I'm not sure about the Wang. I don't know very much about that guy because I haven't had a chance to look into it. Where's he from? Uh, China, I believe. It's China. <laughs> okay. Well, it's not a familiar name to me either. I must exactly. Say, so. so I'm sorry. I haven't. This is a fight I've watched and I haven't had a chance to go back to it. So and Zavrotniak from the depths of time uh, <laughs> uh, took that one 15-12. Zavrotniak's been around for a while <laughs> and there's been some chat about that, but he's not that old in epi terms. I mean, he's not at the, the start of his career, but he's not. No spring chicken. No. But not a veteran. No. No, he's 37. 37. 37. So just, okay. a, just a boy. Just a boy. And uh, the last thing I want to note, and this is really just a shout out to our uh, our Finnish pals, is that uh, their fencer, Vuorinen, uh, put out Bass when he went out in the uh, 64, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. So congratulations to him. He's another fencer that's been around for a while. Yeah. Okay. So that gives us our uh, our semi-finals here. Um, our first one is really straightforward. It's uh, Tulin versus Minobi. Mm-hmm. I just really hear sweet fencing from Minobi. It goes three one up, and essentially that's it. Tulin doesn't really have a solution to to Minobi's sort of dynamic movements. Uh, Minobi looked on absolutely cracking form, so he was able to basically. Tulin was I don't know what he was thinking here because he was really sort of getting quite close. And against Minobi, I'm not sure why you would do that. You'd really want decision time. Mm-hmm. I think he was thinking that he, what he would do is he would try and take away his initiative, but it really wasn't working. The second, I'll just go straight to the second period. Minobi at this point was 11-4 up. Yeah, that's quite sore. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, we're not, we're not cracking loads of hits out here, but it was like 11-4. Uh, round three just gets over pretty quick. Um, there's a late rally from Tulin. Goes back to sort of 13-8, uh, 13-8, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, it's uh, Tulin scores a couple of hits, but Minobi looks like he's just trying to cruise to the to the end now. Um, Minobi just calmly finishes him off with a stop at the wrist. Good look. Yep. So nice straightforward stuff. Yeah. But still a grand day out for uh, yeah for Mister Tulin. Congratulations to Mister Tulin. Minobi cracking form. Got to say the second semi final. I have a lot to say about this, but they're not good. 
Okay. Right, so it's the Vrotniak versus Fakera. We've talked about Fakera before. The man who induces stress heart attacks in you. <laughs> uh, but Do you have to stop watching him? Some medical advice. Yeah, well, this is the perfect one to watch in that case. Because uh, okay. it starts off incredibly boring. Uh, neither fencer does anything for a minute, and there's an immediate P card. Right, so this is the sort of thing that would lower my blood pressure Indeed. and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. induce uh, sleep. Yeah. Again, there's more boring fencing with uh, not very much happening. There's one minute, 30 seconds left on the clock, and I'm thinking, oh, we're not going to get like a red here, a P red, are we? Mm. Uh, but it's a rotten act, man. Just to clip Fikera, thank God. <laughs> Scores a point, <laughs> uh, which basically forces Fikera to start pressing, and the, the round finishes 3 0 to Zavrotniak. Okay. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, it is some of the more boring fencing I've seen in a while. I was I was hoping for better from, from mm. Marco. I thought Marco would really be pushing for it, because that's how he does it. But no, not this time. No, I know. But f- f- thankfully, he flicks the switch in round two, comes out fighting. It's actually quite interesting. There's some sort of nice hits here. It's something you don't see as, as much of as I'd like. I love the little parry flick from uh, Zavrotniak a few times. I like it. It's what we like. He's left-handed as well, so I was appreciating the lefty, the sort of lefty cunning in him. So Fichera is sort of like constantly trying to do his his, his sort of stressful fencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rotniak's obviously been around too long to deal with anything like this from a, a nipper. Uh, <laughs> and just keeps picking them off with these kind of lovely flicks and uh, sort of beat flicks. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if Fichera really bites, it's a, it's a, it's a, he holds the blade, so it's a parry, and then flicks him again. It's just like, oh, that's that kind of fencing. Yeah, It's really, really good. So this is what we're going to run. Uh, so in round two, uh, that kind of stuff just keeps going on uh, and it finishes 12-10. Round break. Um, it, this is where things sort of kind of... I should have said this actually. At the end of round two, Fikera doesn't look like he's committing very much and is clearly a bit uncomfortable. Mm. And then in round three, the, the coach chat from Kumo looks more like he's saying, it's it's okay, don't worry too much about what's happening. And it's clear that Fikera's got a sore arm. So the, right. the competitors are saying... He's got cramp, but it looked to me like more like a strain because he. Okay. Uh, you get cramp in your arm, yeah, but it didn't look like he couldn't hold his epi. Look, he just couldn't put it out. So we don't know. I don't speak Italian. I'm guessing it was maybe maybe a slight arm strain or something like that. But that's what, uh That's basically. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of there 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 there. It's going to be okay for mm-hmm. Como rather than this is the kind of stuff that you need to be doing here. Right. So anyway, I wrote <laughs> my note here is a uh, dig in Marco. You'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm sure, so, sure that's inspired him. Yeah, but like, so what if he kind of comes out fighting and really goes for it? Um, okay, he starts to trigger, he starts to draw uh, Zavrotniak off. He he scores. There's a couple of points scored, and it gets to thirteen twelve. Zavrotniak's keeping the pressure. He does try to keep the sort of pressure because Fakir is always still trying to close, but he can't mm. commit because he can't get his arm out fast enough. Right, that's the issue, um, and that allows Zavrotniak to dominate the distance, but. It's it's kind of like Fakera is really pushing, and it's, you've seen that. I'm getting more and more grey hairs. So that moment, start yeah. again. That kind of feeling about it all. Oh, thank God I didn't watch this. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's really really good. There was a really grand hit uh, where Fakera tries to flick, but Zavrotniak catches kind of catches the blade and finishes the body. It's like sort of classic tricky lefty hit. Mm. Sort of like chuckling. Oh, I love that. Oh, <laughs> like that. And it's just it's a sort of actual. It's actually a cracking hit, but the the final hit. I've actually written in here, my knuckles are turning white. Uh, because he was getting so close. And at that moment, you know, like he, he, he kind of comes in and you, you see the point fishing forward. Mm. And it's closer and closer. And you just know the opponent's going, oh, this is not good. I <laughs> I hate this. And you can just see the doubt in the rotten. You can just tell exactly that he's not happy about this at mm. all. 
And eventually Fakera tries to finish it. I've got to write the score down here, actually. I think it's actually it's actually tied at 13 all at this point. Right. But uh, that's just... I may be wrong, right? But uh, eventually Fakera tries to extend into Zivotniak's preparation, but can't commit. And that's when Zivotniak just goes, oh, well, fair enough, then the sixes aren't out. Yeah. That's the end of that. Yeah. But uh, it was like, oh, my God, this is this is too much for me. Uh, <laughs> But it was a good finish, but the actual start of that fight was just absolutely terrible. I okay, really so angry. bad start, but yeah, really good finish. Really good finish, yeah. Yeah. Into the final. So, so if you're going, going to go back and watch it, just skip through the first period. Yeah, don't bother with that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe somebody should get like a, a little microphone next to me when I'm watching these things and hear the sort of things I say. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually things like, oh, for God's sake, yeah, boo, yeah. boo. Yeah. yeah. I suspect slightly stronger and yeah. that's why we can't broadcast. It would have well, to be heavily edited. Yeah, that's right. Full of beeps. <laughs> yeah, full of beeps. Yeah. Uh, right, so let's get on to the final. Savrotniak versus Munobi. So how do you think this went? If you if I had to say it's sort of Vatniak versus Manobi, what kind of fencing would you expect? I th- I would have thought this would be pretty cagey. Yeah, you're pretty right. You're pretty damn on the mark. It starts off with P cards again. Excellent. Neither of them pushes. They both basically stand there. Um, it's booing. There's a bit of booing. Oh. <laughs> the crowd's getting a bit restless, and it happens again. Oh, so we yeah. go to P reds. Excellent. Which in a final is not great. No. Uh, and I, I, I bet you that the FI observers kind of. Stroking his chin, thinking, make it 45 seconds. <laughs> oh. car people, honestly. Okay. Because Minobi is the higher-ranked fencer in, this, in yeah. this exchange, so he knows that if we go to black cards, he gets the benefit. Yeah. And this is where, you know, this is where you're, we're, we're seeing... Prepare to gamble on it. Yeah. Why not? You start, you know, we're, we're not so nervous about it. We're starting to figure out how we can make an advantage out of this. Mm-hmm. Minobi knows he doesn't have to push anymore, so why not bother just take it to blacks? Get it overdone with. Yeah. You know? Uh, anyway, finally, Zavrotniak cracks first anyway, which I guess is the whole point of this rule, um, and, and starts to push and scores, which is fantastic because they actually start fencing now. Yeah. But but you have to wait two and a bit minutes. Two and a bit for minutes. That to happen. So the final, the final the period finishes two all, so Minobi just evens the score out again and mm-hmm. we go into the break. So it starts off in the second round with something quite interesting. It starts, it's a big conversation of Blades. And I thought Zervotny I could hit Minobi. And then there's a bit of barging, but there's no score. And both defences look a little bit confused, and that's what I'm talking about. They're starting to... Uh, okay. Is this the wireless? Is this what's what's going on here? But they basically come back again. They start again. And this time, Zervotny does another light, nice lefty trick where he stop hits. And that's really, really good. And then Minobi... So we score a couple of points. Minobi scores with a cutover with a French grip, which is what you want as well. You know, Requires is there anything a, that Monobi can't do? That's the question. A decent, decent bit of f- uh, finger and restraint to be able to to do that. Yeah. against uh, mm-hmm. you know, in a Grand Prix final. Yeah, um, Monobi. So uh, that's another another worthwhile hit here. Um, Monobi does a, a a lovely fakes his ri- uh, the wrist hit on the next hit. He says, "I'm going to do the same thing. I want to do the cutover," but he doesn't. He finishes the tool. <laughs> He's actually the Dutch com- the, the commentator of the with Kareem's a Dutch coach. Right. Uh, actually, says what I said, which was. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyway, we just score. We get to the end of the period, and Minobi's only winning eight seven. Uh, so in round three, uh, Minobi starts playing for time again. No, I'm not going to bother with this. We're just yeah. going to sort of take it to the spreadsheet victory. But just before we get to the actual card, Minobi does a sort of a, a sort of does the classic Minobi prep where he does a nice big circle six. Looks lazy. The rotten air bites. Goes for the left, they disengage to step in, but Minobi just hits him on the toe. 
<laughs> oh, it's just stepping in. Yeah, so you just like, yeah. oh, yep, okay. So there's only that. I was always like, okay, fair enough. That, fair fair <laughs> dues to that one. Comes in again, this time just, Monobi just casually blocks him. So as he, so as, uh, as everyone next try to come in, Monobi just casually sticks his arm out and does a blocking stop hit. Uh, so he's now three points clear, it's like 10-7. And then something weird happens, there's a hit, but it's off camera. We're busy watching the casual, oh. the replay. Oh no. And uh, the referee started the fight. We miss a hit, so I have no idea what happened. So it's like, oh, I mean, Kareem actually mentioned this that things had suddenly started to spark and it was going so quick that the action replay guys aren't getting a chance. Yeah, I think they just tried to tried just once to see if it would happen, and, and at that point, the wrong choice. Action. Yeah, so it it's unfortunate. Yeah. It's unfortunate, right? In a, in a fight that had been pretty yeah. slow moving for mm-hmm. quite a lot of it, that's, that's yeah. a bit of bad luck. Yeah, and basically after that, Minobi can't Minobi can't lose at this point. He's too far gone. We're in round three. There's very little time left. Veronica keeps trying to press, but it basically finishes off. I mean, the rest of the hits are just Minobi hits, so they're worth looking at if you're interested. And it finishes 15-12. So the final, again, the final, the final period is worth watching, but don't watch anything before that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, well, happy days for you, because we've got Minobi! Minobi! Uh, winning. Yeah. <laughs> but the men's does sound like it was largely pretty tedious stuff compared to the women's. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the early rounds are my be quite interesting when everybody's being shot in the head and sent home yeah uh, that might be quite interesting to check back on but the latter periods were not as exciting and as interesting as women's epi which is something I've not said in a while no indeed the, if I was going to recommend anything I'd probably say ah, go and watch the women's epi in that one yeah getting, getting some semi-final and the final and that's pretty good Minobi won convincingly final final periods were pretty good his actual run up is actually worth having worth checking out but honestly finals just didn't quite hit the mark for me Okay. Do. Oh, and one final update on um, where do we like our epis from? Which particular part of Asia? Oh God, yeah, <laughs> uh, that's so embarrassing. See, every day's a school day, Gav. Every and w- what have we found? That um, Korea and Japan are in fact not Southeast Asian. No, they're not. They are northern, northeast, northeast Asian. That's northeast it. Asia. I was going to say northern. I was thinking no, that's not right. Exactly. <laughs> a further correction. Yeah. No, yeah, apparently. Uh, we've we've had it wrong, yeah, all along. All along, and the interesting thing about that is, I've always been told that those countries are in the southeast, the Southeast Asian quadrant. That's what I grew up. With. So I think there's an, an element of sort of our terrible you're, geography you're, schooling. You're blaming your high school geography teacher. Yeah. Well, I did. I did love Mister Kelly. He was a great guy, and he did write some really nice things about my uh, my, my my knowledge of geography, believe it or not. And I did actually get scored incredibly high marks for it. <laughs> but we didn't do anything about maps. It was all about you know coastal erosion and mm. glacial deposits and stuff like that. Yeah, I think we all got a ton of that. So, yeah, so we didn't uh, do anything about yeah, rough, roughly our age, but yeah, not where anything actually is. No, no. Not that sort of no. geography. We just sort of wave, ah, it's kind of down there somewhere. Yeah. Southeast, we're up here, they're down there, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, but anyway, I do apologise to anyone that is actually offended by, uh, <laughs> by me saying... Ge- geographic inaccuracies. Yeah, indeed. Because apparently Southeast Asia is what... Uh, I remember Vietnam, it Cambodia and that's something else, is it not? Oh, don't, don't compound our yeah. error, I guess. Well, yeah. But anyway, I do apologise. So, I'll so, so there mind. you are, a big fan of Northeast Asian Northeast Asian uh, fencing and cuisine. So there we go. <laughs> it's the best of all worlds. Yeah. Okay, so Cali Epi, women's good. Women's good. Men's, men's okay. happy with the winner. Yeah, happy with the winner. Uh, I'm happy with the winner. Overall, it was okay. Uh, but I think actually I prefer the women's Epi for a change. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. stuff. So onto a bit of men's foil action to, to round off our... Latest ton of fencing yes. with um, St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. Plenty of early departures here. 
Cruz, Meinhardt, Chung and Yavador in the 64, Enzo the 4 in the 32, Garozzo, Avila, Hill, Masialis and Safin all diving out in the 16. The, the, I think probably the most surprising one there was Garozzo losing really heavily 15-5 against the Pesci. It was... But that, that's why we love Irwan. Proper pasting. That's, that's why we love Irwan. Um, you think, does, that, does that count as a grudge match now? Because they keep facing it. They, they came across each other loads. Does, uh, that count, does that count as a grudge match? Nah. No, is it? I don't think so. It's just a silly fan. It's not, a, it's not a grudge match when it's as comfortable a win All right, okay. as that. For it to be a grudge match, it's got to get to, you know, within a couple of hits mm-hmm. near, near the finish. But yeah, it was a, um, a remarkable fight. Mm. Uh, Grotso looking thoroughly off colour. Erwan all over him. So our, our quarterfinals, Alessio Ficconi beat Claudinus of Ukraine. Good result for him. Oh yeah, that's a good uh, one. 15-8. Uh, Lepeshu beating Cherimisno 15-11. Another surprise package in the last eight. Uh, another proper blast from the past. Um, Benny Kleibrink, Olympic champion in 2008. He's still uh, alive? <laughs> <laughs> well, not just still alive, but um, yeah. yeah, going well. Beat Reese and Bowden. No way. What was the score? 15-14. All right, okay, close then. Yeah, yeah, exciting stuff. And Clybrink being just as wily, smart and mm-hmm. tricky and inventive and just creating all sorts of problems nice. for, for a Bowden who eventually couldn't couldn't quite work it out. Right, and, okay. uh, Clybrink taking the win. Andrea Cassara beating Hati Yu of Korea 15-12 in the last oh, quarterfinals. Right. Okay. So our semi-finals is a, a proper proper oldie reunion mm-hmm. with Le Pichu mm-hmm. at uh, 37, <laughs> Cassara at 35, and as I say, 2008 Olympic champion Clybrink, uh, the, the baby of that, that group of oldies at a mere 33. <laughs> A nipper, uh, a nipper. So, so the kid in the pack was uh, world number one, uh, Fukuni. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a proper baby, still in his 20s. I mean, oh. you know, admittedly 29, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, the kid here. And he eventually saw off uh, Erwan, All right. who who stuck stuck to it and was actually ahead for a large part of the, the match. And then Fukuni kind of got a handle on things, uh-huh. edged ahead by a hit or so. And Erwan looked pretty pretty done in by that point. Oh, right, and okay. uh, uh, Fakuni finished him off to take the win 15-12. In the second semi-final, Clybrink had used up all his old magic. I oh, think, right. <laughs> and again, looked, looked thoroughly done in. I mean, this this was one where Erwan stuck with it um, mm-hmm. against Fakuni for a long yeah. time and looked like he could just about have got there. Yeah. Clybrink, on the other hand, looked, looked thoroughly done. Right. Uh, Sara gave him an absolute pasting, um, 15-4. Oh. Yeah, so you know, quite a sore one. And uh, I mean, I think it must have got to about nine nothing before um, Clybrink actually scored. Oh the, the the bagel was was looking on the cards at one yeah. stage, and right. it was almost a bit of a relief when when Clybrink finally scored a hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the start of Olympic qualification and the German team not looking that strong, yeah. um, Clybrink perhaps thinking, "I really need to pull out some individual performances if mm-hmm. I'm going to get myself another Olympics." Oh, well, well done him. Basically. So he's off to yeah. off to a good a good start there with a with a bronze medal in St Petersburg. So Fukuni Kasara in the final. Yeah. I would have put quite a lot of money on Fukuni mm-hmm. taking the win here, but Kasara comes out with a a really strong start. Um goes goes a decent number of hits. I think he was probably something like oh, I think eight four eight four up. Right. And looking well in control of things. And then Fukuni seems to get the feel for the timing and goes on a run of hits, half a dozen hits in mm-hmm. 
in a row uh, to take a, a lead, I think, of two or three hits and, and looking thoroughly in control of things. And then the minute break, which couldn't have come at a, a better time for Kassara, who was, uh-huh. who was looking like he was struggling by that stage, couldn't couldn't get a handle on uh, Fakoni's timing, uh, couldn't quite handle the sort of uh, consistent pressure that Fakoni puts on you again, making making that short distance and picking the picking the reaction well and making the right decisions on how to finish or when to come out and take the parry or post and choosing his target areas to, to make the hit really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after the minute break, Kassara comes out again looking like the sort of Kassara of old, properly commanding, happy pressuring Fukuni and feeling confident about where he was going to finish the hit and was disruptive in defence yeah. and keeping Fukuni guessing. And in the end, Kassara emerges with a, with a 15-13 win and he's, I think his first win in a World Cup for a number of years. I mean, he's gone, he's gone close a few times. He's, you know, a fairly regular podium podium finisher. He's been, well, he lost to Erwan in, mm-hmm. I think it was Tokyo a couple of years ago. Yeah. So he's been close, but this is the... First win in a while, and again, uh, as someone who's find himself sitting on the bench for the Italian team and mm-hmm. team events fairly regularly recently, good to see him back stamping his authority on things and, yeah. and winning winning a World Cup. Find, finding some youthful vigour is what I, was, what I was sort of thinking about in my head. Yeah, so I, mean, we, I mean, I, I did sort of comment amongst the sort of you know one of our, our messenger groups mm-hmm. that you know this was like watching the qualification for the 2008 Olympics and you know, <laughs> after, after the event I went I went back and looked at the the world rankings at the end of the mm-hmm. 2000, 2000, uh, 2007 2008 season uh, and at that point Cassara was number one mm-hmm. uh, Lepeshu was number two <laughs> and Clybrink uh, won the Olympics obviously yeah. and was number four in the world rankings at the end of the year and here's those three guys all in the semi-final of the first Olympic qualifying event That's great, for Tokyo 2020. <laughs> so if it, if it felt like a you know some sort of weird weird flashback to an yeah. earlier age, um, it, it's one that I'm not that disappointed about. Yeah, um, I, I do like seeing these familiar faces, these superstars of the sport who've yeah. been been around for a long time. And Clebrink's an interesting one because he he kind of disappeared out of the sport for for a while mm-hmm. and was only kind of dragged back into it to try and help Germany snatch a place at the in the team event uh, for the Rio Olympics, which, yes, right. which they didn't manage to do. And I must admit, I thought he would he would disappear off again after mm-hmm. that, but he's persevered and then produced a, as I say, a, a thoroughly good result here in 2019 with a with a view to getting to <laughs> you know the Olympics again. Twelve years after he he became yeah. Olympic champion, you've got to think that Bowden's a bit irritated by the fact he didn't make it into that final oh, four. Yeah, I, it's going to sure be. He's going to be throwing his mask around somewhere. You know. Yeah, a good chance. It's a good chance. Yeah, so slightly odd results, perhaps, but but kind of delightful in, yeah. in their own way as well. And uh, nice to see Kassara back on top of the podium because he has gone from being the baddie of men's foil for for many many years now to being the sort of thoroughly respectable and admirable. He's mellow and am, ambassador for Italian Italian men's foil. Isn't isn't that weird? Because we've said this before, but if you'd been back a few years, you'd be like Kassara, you're like. You need to settle down. You're so beautiful as a fencer that your attitude is you don't need this attitude. But now you look at me and go, it's like a different guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he seems so pleasant and he seems to keep the, the kids in line, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Let you lot calm down. Yeah, daddy's here. Behave yeah, yourselves. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, yeah, good stuff. I, I mean, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. A great weekend of, uh, of men's foil mm-hmm. with some. Familiar and, and delightful faces. Excellent. Excellent. So it was good stuff. 
genes are interesting too. Um, yes, interesting particularly from a British point of view because mm-hmm. uh, Richard Cruz back in the back in the fold, and uh, an almost immediate uplift for for British fortunes. They put out Japan in the last sixteen, which is a a properly breakthrough result for them because they mm-hmm. got a, a terrible thrashing off Japan at the first World Cup of the season in Bonn, something like forty five twenty, whereas they disposed of Japan here pretty comfortably. I think it was about 45-35 in the last yeah. 16. And then gave uh, Korea a thoroughly hard time in the in the last eight, only losing out 45-43. Would you not put money on Britain to take Korea? At the moment, no, absolutely not. Really? No. I mean, Korea are third in the world rankings at the mm-hmm. moment. They're a, they're a really impressive yeah, team. Yeah. yeah, but it's really an encouraging sign from a, a British perspective that they pushed yeah. uh, Korea so close. And fighting off of the minor placings were only narrowly edged out of fifth place by Italy again, only by a couple of hits mm-hmm. in a match that they, they really could have really, really could have won. Mm-hmm. So being being competitive with the top teams, it's uh it's, it's very encouraging for yeah. um the prospect of, of Britain qualifying a men's foil team for mm-hmm. for Tokyo. We'll go to Tokyo then if they qualify. Uh, is, that, uh, is that too much of an ask? I I would love to go. Yeah. I would love to go. I've always wanted to go to to Japan, I'm not kidding. Yeah. So it'd be that would be a big thing for me. But we would need to sell some T-shirts or something. I don't know. We would need to probably sell our bodies, Gav. Well, the 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 port's not far from where I live. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure you're going to raise much that way, to be honest, Gav. No offence. But We're just off the boat. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. That's, yeah, moving on this from that rather, that rather uh, yeah sordid image. USA won again, back on form. Mm-hmm. Um, not quite as dominant this season as they were last no. year when they won absolutely everything apart from the World Championships. Yeah. But pretty consistent. Well, that was another thing I was going to mention. The the USA team has been picked for the Pan Ams and the World Championships. So the kind of um, sort of side story that we we've, we've been looking at with the battle between Nick Itkin and Miles Chandler Watson for who was going to going to make the the team for the World Championships has now been resolved, and Nick Itkin makes the team ahead oh, of Miles. Wow. So a, so a new face mm-hmm. in in the men's foil team. Although curiously enough, in St Petersburg, Miles fenced. Rather than Nick, so I'm I'm not sure quite why that was because that was after the team had been Nick was um, there the announced. He was there, yeah. Right. So I'm mm-hmm. not not sure quite what was going on there. If any of our American listeners know and would like to to yeah. tell us what what was going on there, I'd be I'd be genuinely interested to to find out. Mm-hmm. And the other surprise package of the weekend was Hong Kong. Yes. So Hong Kong making it to final. Yeah. Proper. Proper breakthrough result. They've they've looked pretty exciting group of individuals mm-hmm. led by Kalong Chung. Yep. But this is the first time that they've, they've put together a sort of really strong run in a team event and uh, their their best ever result in a in a mm-hmm. World Cup. They are, they are they're starting to look like a good all round fencing uh, a nation, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. they're part of China now, but the, as a group, they seem to be getting better and better. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, Still not quite one of the the superpowers of no. the sport, but mm-hmm. heading heading in the right direction. You know the fact that they're producing strong performances across a number of weapons now. Is there a chance it's like group effect here that the sort of as as Korea and China start to drag things up the way, some of the other nations, satellite nations, are coming with them. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure quite how how much of an influence that that has, because you you would almost say that you know despite Sun Yuen winning the mm-hmm. winning the, the Epic Grand Prix, mm-hmm. that Hong Kong's you know far more buoyant as a fencing nation than than China currently is really. 
Yeah, China still feels like work in progress. Yeah, having been a, a superpower for a long time, yeah. they've had a serious dip. Yeah. Signs of, you know, positive signs, as I said, with the, the mm-hmm. two women's foilists making the last day in, mm-hmm. in Tower. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting to, to kind of try and work out where, where China really are at the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because there are times where it looks like it's, it's all doom and gloom mm-hmm. and then, then you'll get a couple of good results and then disappointing again. It's, mm-hmm. there's, there's no sort of consistency yeah. despite them. Seemingly to have, you know, a load of fencers to choose from, mm-hmm. uh, a sort of setup that should produce a lot of world class fencers, but doesn't mm-hmm. quite seem to be to be happening for them at the moment. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Korea third uh-huh. with France in fourth place. From a British point of view, we've got too many Asian nations going well. We <laughs> probably need to see Korea have a serious dip in form and Hong Kong not produce this kind of result again okay. because of the way Olympic qualification works. Your top four teams qualify automatically. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, so... And then the Asian you have... to sort themselves out. <laughs> for the best... For our best. Well, we, basically, we want probably Russia to, to get their act, Russia and France to get their act together. Right, okay. And... Herman, you're our hero. Bump, uh, bump <laughs> Korea, Korea out, of the, out of the top four and, and make sure that uh, there's, there's plenty of European nations... Uh, Qualifying directly as one of the top four. Here's so a question, that, Sean. I've got a question for you. <laughs> oh dear. So if it comes right down to it, like uh, it did a couple of years ago, where the, the British team needed a particular result, and it looks like it's possible, are you going to go to that event? You're going to be the mascot again. <laughs> be there with my pom poms, waving my Union exactly. Jacks, and Bond was it not? It that was. Year? It was Bond. Yeah. 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 They'll have, have to come over. It would, it, would have, it would depend where it is and what, right. what it's like to cost me. Because, I, I mean, as I say, I think our chances of finding the cash to uh, get to Tokyo, be sure of getting tickets. Yeah, it's tricky. Uh, we're unlikely to yeah. get our, our press credentials for this one, I suspect. I, I think it might be harder. I mean, I'd love to go and photograph it, but I, I yeah. can't see being, uh, being able to do anything about that. No, I suspect not. Yeah. But perhaps to see the British team qualifying mm-hmm. to get there would be a, a pretty immense thing and if yeah. they were close I would certainly certainly consider I need to actually have a look at them what would be the what would be the last qualifying event I don't know that's a tricky one it might actually be what's the qualification period again it's a year April 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 to March yeah so oh, what would that be Bonn again uh, no because Bonn's the season opener now oh right uh, hang on let me have a look okay so I think that the last, assuming this calendar doesn't change from this season to next season, mm-hmm. that the last qualifying event for men's foil would be Cairo. Uh, yeah. And Cairo is not that far away or nor that expensive to get to. <laughs> but unstable, <laughs> but you know. Well, yes. I, I, I think I would be prepared to risk it though. Okay. Okay. Well, let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah, you can be the you can be the mascot again with your pom poms, yeah, and your cheerleader outfit. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, no, no, again, another another deeply unpleasant image from this this yeah. episode of the podcast. So, um, so that was the, that was the teams. Yeah, and good stuff in Petersburg. Yeah, yeah, another good one. Yeah. So uh, that's going to leave us basically with a uh, coolest fencer. Then who we're going to throw in? I want to go for Sun Yuen. Have some of that, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> now I know that silence isn't generally good radio, but yeah. I think that was a silence worth a thousand words. Yep. 
Now, I didn't see this. And uh, as is almost compulsory, Derek Lozova wins again, but I'm not going to nominate her. Kassara mm-hmm. wins. So that's, that's quality as well, don't get me wrong. Yeah, again, golden oldie, back on top of the podium. Got to love that. Mm-hmm. Kim Young-Wan, having ignored him as coolest fencer in long on the planet, and we finally awarded him a, a coolest fencer on the planet after he'd retired. <laughs> and then he sneaks back for another one to, yeah. make, <laughs> to make the podium at his home Grand Prix. Mm. Uh, I'm tempted to nominate him again. All right, okay. <laughs> Just because we thought, well, we'd never get the chance again. Mm-hmm. And we felt we'd slightly left it to the very last possible minute <laughs> to to um, to make him coolest fencer on the planet. What about, uh, here's a, a left field suggestion, how about a, a team effort for the golden oldies in, in the St. Petersburg? This <laughs> <laughs> particular care home. Exactly. It's done a marvellous job exactly. in, in preserving uh, Messrs. Cassara. Yeah, I think in The only one that's missing is Jopic. Pretty much, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A golden oldies collective. Yeah, but they all mm. be able to stand on the podium and share and share our plastic trophy. That's the that's the <laughs> question, isn't it? Before being led away for medication and being exactly. Time. Okay, um, we did say this was going to be a slightly shocking one of opinions, but I think I'm I'm actually inclined purely from what you say about her fencing <sighs> and the way it's changed to say. Soon you win as coolest fencer on the planet. Oh, see, that's why Epi is best. Oh, look at that. Now, see, you're making, <laughs> you're making me rethink. As soon yeah. as you said that, as soon as you said that, I yeah. suddenly thought, no, nah, maybe not. Yeah, but okay, fair enough. Thank, congratulations, son. I don't know if you speak in English, but you are our coolest fencer on the planet. Well done, soon. Yeah. Uh, wait, so a bit of housekeeping before we sort of close up. Mm. So I think one of the things we were going to talk about is it, things are a bit much the moment well I, th- I think that's kind of becoming increasingly clear the way that yep. the candles set up now there's regular parts of the season where there's just so much going on mm-hmm. that it's almost impossible for us to give uh, the sort of comprehensive coverage of what's yes. what's been happening we end up kind of having to skimp a bit yeah. on on what we can watch and what we can report on yeah. so we're looking for a helper for Sabre a new a new co-host yeah. somebody that knows what they're talking about, mm-hmm. about Sabre. Yeah. So we've got some ideas of people who we hope would be interested, but you don't have to be local to us. Uh, we can make arrangements. One, there's a modern technology. Yeah, we can do something. Uh, but if you're have any, if you interested, do get in touch. Definitely. 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 I think that's, uh, so drop us a line. Let, let's, let's go through it then. So if you want to get in touch and throw your hat in the ring for this one, where, 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 what's the best way? Well, let's start with the email. Email. We have thefencingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook as The Fencing Podcast. Just message us via the page. Also, we're on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Send us a... Send us a gif. <laughs> Send us a gif. Throw in the hashtag Epi is best. Yep. Oh, actually, no. Put in the hashtag Sabre is best. Uh, and tell us that you'd be interested in joining us. Yeah. Uh, and we'll certainly we'll, we'll want to speak to you. I think that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, our usual shout outs to our lovely sponsors, Liam Paul. Liam Paul. Yeah. Um, I'm hopeful that we'll see one Paul or another, or maybe or both. Both. Yeah. Uh, or, when or we're the... when we're in Paris next weekend, doing oh. doing the commentary for the Challenge CNCF. Yes, SNCF. no SNCF Riso 
Men's Hippie. Yeah, it Cup. used to be the Challenge Manal, but it's not yeah. that anymore. <laughs> it's not, no. Yeah. Which is a lot easier to see. Sponsor power, yeah, yeah. Has, has made things much more difficult for us. Yeah. So, yeah, if you, uh, you like a bit of Epi, or even if you don't, and just like hearing our voices, mm-hmm. uh, tune in for the English commentary for uh, the Paris Men's Epi yeah. World Cup. And I'm really looking forward to this because it should be cracking because I've already been to the venue. And it's one event I've always wanted to attend and I've never made it. So I'm really looking forward to this. Have you had a look at the entry list to see how many Epiists are going to be there? Oh, probably a thousand. You're not far off. Because uh, I had a look just before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, 378 entries. That's a small Epi event. <laughs> it's just <laughs> absolutely absurd. Yeah. So if, you, if, you've, if you've seen the CIP, uh, there's 5,000-ish Capacity, I think it is. Yes, Five, it is. Seven, yeah. like that. Uh, but this is going to be mostly Epius this time around. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Epius in the crowd because there's so many of us. So it'll it'll smell worse, social skills will be poorer, and more of them will have their laptops open. Indeed. Uh, yeah, exactly. Checking their spreadsheets. Exactly. Rolling dice in the corner, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, it sounds an absolute treat in store. Um, so I'm going to go home and do some, some Epi homework before next weekend, mm-hmm. so I, I know roughly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'll... I'll see you at the airport. Yes, indeed. Right. Okay. Till next time. Bye now.